Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm gonna pray real quick and then we're gonna get right into it. Father, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit is here. We thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do in this place tonight. Lord, we open up our hearts to you. We surrender our hearts and minds. We open up. We give you permission to operate in us tonight. We thank you for what you've done, but Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do in this place. We thank you that strongholds will be broken, that there will be freedom, that torment and affliction will go in Jesus' name, that there will be healing physically, emotionally, and mentally. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, why don't you take a seat? It's good to be with you. It's been a while. Just full transparency, I'm a bit rusty. I don't think I've preached in a minute. So, here we go. All right. So I'm going to speak from the heart tonight. I'm going to be a little bit transparent about a little bit of a journey that I've been on ongoing in the last two years. And so I'm just going to share. It's going to be perhaps a little bit raw, but... The best thing I've learned in this house is that transparency and realness is really what brings about breakthrough. So I want you to know that our pastors, Jürgen and Leanne, really set the tone for this and they encourage it in all of us. And it's easy to do that because they do it themselves. We were just with them away for a couple of days and they were talking about these seven years that were so crucial to their development. And they said if they had not grown through that season and come out the other side of it, we would probably not know them today. And there would probably not be an awakened church. And that was such a powerful statement. And it was also very encouraging that they could with endure seven years of financial hardship, of leadership hardship, of being in one of the most dangerous cities in the world at the time and come out not smelling like smoke, but coming out blessed, developed, discipled, and having grown through that. They are literally the best example we could ask for. So as our lead pastors do and say, you're going to get more of the same tonight. I hope that's all right. All right. So I've been a Christian for 25 plus years or so and a pastor for about 10 years in this house. And I've just noticed that there's different times in our lives. Some people call them seasons, but I'm going to throw a little bit of geography your way tonight where we seemingly have mountaintop experiences, where other times we feel like we're walking through a valley, and then there's other times we feel like we're stuck on a plateau. So I'm going to go through each one and unpack it a little bit and show you what God can do through that or what the enemy's trying to do. And some of us have gone through these things, and yeah, I've made mistakes. I've, I've taken the wrong turn. But I'm going to share how what was meant for evil, God used for good. And how to navigate that and how to identify. So as I, as I speak, I would like for you to take inventory in your life. We're going to take inventory together. And at the end of the night, we're going to have a time for ministry where you can break off these things that have come in in these different areas 
so that you can be free and step into what God has planned for you. Right, so, title of my message is Peaks and Valleys. So the first feature I would say is, is the mountaintop. I think we've all had these mountaintop experiences. Well, what is a mountaintop experience? A mountaintop experience can be something that's spiritual. You've seen a supernatural move of God on your life. You can see the hand of God on your life. There's breakthrough. Things are exciting. You're pumped. You're, let's go. Let's do this. We're going to take the world. You get, a little, you get a little like twitch in your eye and you get a little crazy like nothing is impossible. Let's go. Am I the only one? Some of you? Okay. It could be prophetic words. You're excited. God sees me. This person saw me. I received this amazing prophetic word. Powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit. In Christianese, we kind of call this the upper room experience. And there's a lot of Christians that like to live here. Now, there's nothing wrong with that mountaintop experience. There's a purpose behind it. Moses encountered the presence of God when he was on the mountaintop with God, he asked God, can I see your face? And God's like, mm, bruh, you can't handle my face. <laughs> so I'm just going to hide you in a crack. I'm going to stick you in a crack in the rock. And it wasn't even his presence that passed. It was his goodness. And it was his goodness that turned him white and made the dude glow like a glow stick in the night. So he gets to have an encounter with the goodness of God that lights him up. But what does God do? He gives him the Ten Commandments to come down into the valley to give to the people. So there was a point and a purpose behind the mountaintop. Even Jesus speaking with the Father on the mountaintop, Peter, James, and John are there. And they're all tripping out. But it was an encounter, and they got to actually hear the Father speak to their Messiah almost face to face, but again, the father clouded himself so that they wouldn't perish in his presence. So mountaintop experiences have a purpose. So in Isaiah 2, 2 through 3, it says, it shall come to pass in the latter days, this is a prophetic scripture, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills. All the nations shall flow to it. And many people Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So you can see there's intention here. He's going to teach us, but then there's a walking out. Now, if you've ever done any amount of hiking, and you've climbed, you've climbed or summited a peak. I climbed uh, San Gregorio, which is about 10,900 feet. And we got up there, and it was spectacular. It was beautiful. And there was this amazing storm cloud system rolling in. We're like, oh, that's beautiful, gorgeous, you know, taking pictures a whole bit. And I'm like, that looks like it's getting closer. <laughs> and then the lightning came. It was like... And we were like eye level with lightning coming down from the cloud. And I'm like, I'm looking around going, wow, there's nothing up here. There's no shelter, there's no food, and there's no water. What are we going to do? And so you'll find that a mountaintop experience 
has a purpose to equip you, to give you a vision of where you're going and what to do. It's teaching and instruction from the Holy Spirit, but we can't live there. In fact, I would even say it's not healthy. And so in my years of pastoring, I've seen people jump from church to church to church, from conference to conference to conference to conference, chasing this mountaintop experience, but they don't yield any fruit. And that's hard to watch because if they would just do what God told them to do in the first place, it would save a lot of airfare. And they wouldn't be in this position of God, God, just tell me what to do. And he's like, well, I did, and you didn't do it. And then I wonder why God's now silent. And because there's an obedience proponent missing. And so the mountaintop is not designed for us to live there. We can go there, but at some point, like Moses, we've got to come down. And I'm not condemning anybody here. There's no judgment here. Because even Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He got his full exfoliation on something. <laughs> but when it was time, he knew when to come down. Right? So God uses the mountaintop experiences to equip us. They're to offer the view for us to see where we are going with God. But what we get from the mountaintop is to be used in the valley. So let's talk about the valley for a second. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The valley can be an extremely frustrating place to be. So when I came into this church, I hadn't seen the Holy Spirit move like that. I'd heard about it. I'd read about it in the Bible, but I wasn't seeing it in church. And then I actually went to a church that showed it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm like wrapping my head around this, I'm like short-circuiting. But I start seeing the power of God move, and then I start experiencing it for myself. And then I start, you know, Second Corinthians and says, in the same manner that the Holy Spirit has ministered to you, now I go minister to others. So you start laying hands on people like, oh, this person gets healed. Awesome. Oh, this person got delivered and set free. Great. Operating in it. And so I'm getting equipped. I'm stepping out in faith. I'm discovering what this is. But then there was a season of, I'm doing these things, but I don't seem to be progressing. Right? And so the valley can be something that we walk through. Again, it's not a place we're meant to stay. But while we're walking through it, we can also be waiting. So you've been given the equipping, but now have you been given the mandate? from God on what to do, where to go. And I found that the waiting will make you or it will break you. And so I went through a season of being equipped and learning and reaching out and stepping into this thing. And then one of my leaders took me aside and said, hey, I need you to take some time off. I need you to take a break. I need you, just for a season, I need you to step back a bit. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> Don't you see the anointing? Don't you see the gifting? Hair flick. Don't you see what God's doing in my life? I know I'm built and made for greater and bigger things. Like, why? <clears throat> and that was a two-year waiting period. 
And that was not God's fault. It was not my leader's fault. He was actually right in this instance. It could be a leader asking you to take some time off. It could be God just asking you to develop yourself a little bit more, to grow with him, to know him more before you step out, potentially uncovered. It could be any one of these reasons. And so my amount of time that I stayed in that was actually up to me. Because once I got over the bitterness, once I got over the hurt, and started doing a deep dive and taking some inventory, I realized, oh, this has actually created some resentment. He's actually right. I wasn't ready. And so it took two years, the while I was in the valley, to really focus on the presence of God, His personality, what His Word says, meditating on the Word on a deeper level. I actually like the valley now because the mountaintop is great, but in the valley, this is where we can rest, we can drink, there's water, we can grow, be discipled and developed. And this is where it truly produces character and patience. Because what I was about to step into, I realized I didn't have the maturity to carry. And had my leader not said, hey, take a break, I would have stepped into a thing and it would have crushed me. Because I lacked the capacity or the character to keep it. So valleys are going to be whatever you call them. If you find yourself in this place and you're in your valley, and you're like, I hate this, this sucks. I don't want to be here, this is terrible. You start cursing. You start cursing the place that you're in. I've just found that whatever I've cursed, it's very hard for God to get to me and through me to bless me because I've cursed it. And so I learned to just kind of change my language. Like, you know, when you're smiling through anger. (laughs) This is amazing. So great. Hurts so good. Because I don't want to stay there any longer than I really have to. So waiting can produce faithfulness or failure. It can produce faith or frustration. Waiting can produce action or we get a little comfortable and it produces apathy. Like, I like it here. I'm not going to leave. Ever. (laughs) Or even stagnancy. Waiting can produce spiritual growth or cause us to shrink back and start moving into unbelief. In pure transparency, the waiting did almost break me. But I'm so thankful for a house that encouraged, spoke into me. And showing up when you don't feel like showing up is when you know you need to show up. The valley is not sexy. It's not. This is what we call discipleship. This is the gospel. Because we get into our mess or we allow people to get into our world and start kind of untangling things. It's not pretty. But it's necessary. Because through that, God will heal, God will restore, God will redeem. And even things that feel like wasted time, God lives outside of time. I think he can snap his fingers, pull a Thanos and 
do something supernatural to restore and redeem the time that was taken that you felt like was taken away from you. And I've seen that. I've prayed, God, the time that I squandered or the time that I feel like was wasted or taken away, redeem it. And I can tell you he has quickened things to happen very quickly because of the right heart posture, heart posture in the valley. So the valley can be whatever you call it. It can be a blessing to you or a curse. So I talked about a two-year period, but wrapped within that two-year period was actually a seven-year period. My heart had always been to be in ministry, but God kept, no, not yet, no, not yet. So in the marketplace and in ministry, I was literally working full-time marketplace and almost full-time ministry. I couldn't even think about work. I would just be so fixated on, on his on the church, on ministry, on doing his work. But it was in a seven-year process in this valley of growing, of being developed, surrendering to God, resisting the devil, surrendering to God, resisting the devil. Because in the valley, the voices can come in. I want, you, I want to get you to quit. I don't belong here. This isn't good for me. I hate everybody. <laughs> but it can create what we call a bitter root. And I allowed that to take root. But then I realized I know better. And I had to deal with it. And it's okay that I had to deal with it because it brought such freedom and then brought such acceleration. And so when we are walking, and this is the key, walking through the, the valley, we can be waiting, <clears throat> but while we're walking, work out the faith muscle. We develop the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, in my case, in the valley. The valley, put it another way, is preparation for what's about to come. And was it all like, you know, Roses and flowers and having a skip along through the daffodils in the valley? Certainly not, but it was an outpouring of the heart. Like, God, where are you? What is going on? I'm faithful. I show up. I tithe. I'm doing all the things. <clears throat> what is taking so freaking long? Like, literally, what the H? Why? God answered some of those. Didn't like them. Didn't like some of those answers. But I know it was protection. And we've got to be really careful to not mistake protection for rejection. Because in that seven years, I started this narrative saying, well, if I'm not in ministry, then maybe God doesn't want me. Maybe I'm not good enough for ministry. And that was the very thing that God had to root out. Because around that's performance, it's insecurity, it's all these things. So, moving along to the plateau. The plateau I found, does everybody know what a plateau is? Yeah. Right, so it's not exactly a mountaintop, it's more of a flat top. So you can come out of a valley, but then you're on a plateau. 
This is my least favorite place. But I'm going to camp on here a bit because I'm going to talk about some things that can come out of this that might have taken root in you. And that's what we're going to break off tonight and see freedom from. The plateau is the place of, did God really say? So we were equipped on the mountaintop. We were developed in the valley. Learning how to feed ourselves, growing into Christian maturity. But the plateau is where all these things are used and they are tested. James 1, 2, 3, 8. The verse I love to hate. (laughs) My brethren, count it all joy. Yay. When you fall into various trials. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I figured out real quick, don't pray for patience. God will give you the opportunity. And when he does, you can't say he don't provide. The testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. The plateau is a place of testing, but I'll put it to you that it's also a place where you And it's a place of partnership with God. We've been equipped. We've been developed. Now that when we get onto the plateau, we get to walk it out with him. But this is where the the enemy comes in, I've found. Did God really promise? He said it, but I don't see it. I don't see the breakthrough. I don't see the favor. I don't see the blessing. Did God really heal me? I got healed, now I'm sick again. God blessed me financially, but now I'm struggling again. Again, this is what we would call in in Christendom the wilderness. It's a testing of our faith, of our convictions, and of our identity. What we worked out in the valley is tested. Perfect example of this is Jesus. In the wilderness, he was led out by the Holy Spirit. He did not perform his way through the wilderness. He was led. Jesus was led. So if we're going to step out of the valley and onto the plateau where it's flat, there's nothing there, there's no water, there's no resources, a good question to ask yourself, is heaven behind it? Am I being led by the Holy Spirit? And this is so we don't rely 100% on our own strength. Going out onto the plateau, I find I have to rely on him. I must. Otherwise, I won't come out on the other side. So the plateau is partnership with God. But even Jesus had to quote scripture to get the devil off his back. To get him to go. Again, 
what you learned in the valley, meditating on the scripture, getting the word inside of you, making it a part of your language, this is where it all comes out. It's the crucible. And just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that my foundations aren't going to get shaken. 2020 and 2021 were a very interesting year. In a span of three months, I was furloughed. I lost my mother suddenly <clears throat> to unexpected uh, situation. And we were able to successfully deplete all of our savings, savings all in one foul shot. And I knew this was a testing. And I wish I could say that I just aced it. 110%. Got all the bonus questions too. But it was probably one of the greatest testings of my life. Because I didn't just lose all these things. I got incredibly sick. I went from 215 pounds down to 170 in about five months. Um, just all this weird stuff happening. Doctors don't know what's going on. Nobody can explain everything. I'm like, I'm so glad I paid my medical. This is great. I'll just guess I'll ask the Holy Spirit what's going on up there. And it's not that God gave me a sickness or disease, but it caused me to question what do I really believe? Nights where I'm sitting at a counter, I'm taking communion and I'm crying my eyes out because every time I eat food, it's literally like I feel like I'm being poisoned. God, why haven't you healed me? I have laid my hands on the sick and they have been healed. I've laid hands on myself and I have been healed. Why the beep, 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 <laughs> am I not healed? Your word says, and I quoted scripture, pleading my case to God. Your word says that the elect will not be touched, that nothing by any means will harm me. Well, I feel pretty freaking harmed right now. <laughs> And I got, yeah, I got angry. I got angry. I got bitter. I got depressed. I started questioning everything. I went there. And that's okay. I would rather wrestle with God like Jacob than abandon him, than walk away. I'd rather wrestle with God and walk away with a limp and get my promise than to just throw it all in. Because at some point we know too much and we know better that we can't just walk away from this. Because we know our lives before that. So I remember crying out like, God, it feels like all of these things have been taken away. It feels like my health has been taken away. I can't think straight. I'm trying to work can barely drive. Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> and I can tell you, the questioning of my faith and my beliefs was tested. Did God really say? And so I started calling forth, there's a, a sermon by a pastor from the East Coast called Steve Kelly. And the sermon's called, hey, that's my harvest. And I hadn't listened to it in probably like, 
oh gosh, I think he preached that like four years ago. Four or five years ago. And I just remembered it like that. And I listened to it again. And I just started walking around yelling, hey, that's my harvest. Because I know the seeds that I've sown over the years into this house. And I, know, I knew God's character. I knew that he was going to come through. And he did. I don't even really know what happened. I'm still figuring it out. Just telling you right now. But by the end of 2021, finances restored. Things that I'd written down on a vision card for five years to own real estate, ADUs, acreage. All happened in one shot. And how quickly God can redeem the time and come through. It, it, it literally boggles the mind. I don't get it. I love it. I'm enjoying it. But can you expect the unexpected when you're in the plateau? But here's the danger of the plateau, and this is what I want to quickly unpack. A spirit of unbelief and a religious spirit that says what God did yesterday, he can't do today. This can be fueled by disappointment, discouragement, feeling let down. And so if, if you're taking inventory, let's just go over a couple of signs of unbelief. Some of these registered with me and I, I had to deal with it. So some signs of the spirit of unbelief. You stop acknowledging any existence of the supernatural. You deny what can't be seen or explained. People are blinded to what God has done in your life or you can even become jaded or blinded to what God has done in your life as I did. God's done amazing things in my life and suddenly I forgot them. People are unable to receive a miracle when prayed for. There's a resistance. There's, there's something that shuts down in our hearts. People are unable to experience the blessing of God. You might be tithing and you're discouraged from not seeing blessing. Or if you have a, a trade or you see a trade mentality, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. Or well, we may be complaining and criticizing. We're in a situation, we're in a valley or a plateau and we can't see God. We can't see how He's going to move and how He's going to work this for good. These are some indicators that we can look at in our lives. So, some keys to keeping unbelief out. When life seem, is seemingly up and down, how do we live a kingdom life through these times? When you're in a peak, a plateau, or a valley, there's lots of up and ups and downs. We can look to the one that's constant. This creates consistency and a constancy in us, in our faith and our belief. Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word testimony in Greek literally means do it again. God, do it again. You might find yourself in that place where you're just questioning everything. I remember a very clear and vivid day and time 
where I looked at the Bible and said, either this is a colossal lie and a joke, or it's true. And I'm in this valley now that I need to choose to believe it or walk away from it. I chose to believe it, but it was still challenging to concede to the fact that this is true and I'm believing and I'm waiting that God is going to come through. His word is yes and amen. But that was a part of the journey in reigniting faith back in. And I can tell you, if you have no hope, faith is not going to be far behind. I found where there is hope, there is faith. And if there is faith, there is hope. And in those, those days of wondering where God was and where the blessing was, where the breakthrough was, where the healing was, hope was on short order. But I'm so glad that I exercised what I had learned in this house from my leaders, from God, from the Bible. And I'm here today and I'm healed. My body is fully healed. And I'm convinced it wasn't so much of a physical issue as much as it was a heart issue that manifested in a physical way. So keeping unbelief out. With, uh, our surroundings are temporary. They cannot affect His kingdom, which is eternal. These are just some mindsets that we've got to keep in check. Seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. Thanksgiving, worship, and praise is an antidote to depression, anxiety, disappointment, and discouragement. Keep serving, keep showing up, keep tithing. Our finances are circumstantial, they're not eternal. And having seen that as someone that walked through the financial hardship of going backwards, being consistent and showing up. God sees the heart. And just as He moved on our behalf, I know that He will move on your behalf. And He showed me that He was actually our provider. Because I was grinding it in a sales job, 100% commission, and none of the income came from the job. It came unexpectedly from six different sources. In fact, Pastor Matt was there when it happened one day. I've always sat in church and been really irritated when the person said, I got a surprise check for $20,000 in the mail. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll say I'd, I'd never, God's blessed me in so many different ways, but I'd never seen that in my life. And it's like, oh, that'd be cool someday. Like, I sure could use that now. And I'm driving in the car with Pastor Matt and I get a phone call from our financial director and he's like, hey, yeah, so um, someone left you a check. And I'm like, really? I said, yeah, how do you want it? I'm like, in my bank account? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's amazing. Who was it? Oh, no, they don't want to 
They want to remain anonymous. They see everything you and your beautiful bride are doing in this church. They see the outpouring. They see the work that you've done. They just want to bless you and say thank you. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. How much is it? It's $12,000. See, I've been praying to God because I wasn't actually sure how I was going to buy my kids Christmas presents. Or pay the mortgage for that matter. I never experienced it before. It was amazing. But I know that God sees the heart and what I was willing to deal with and hand over to Him, the disappointments, the anger, the bitterness, the unbelief that came in, the doubt. When we move, God moves. The stuff will clog us up, create a bottleneck. Even when you feel like it isn't fair, surrender. God, it's not fair. Obey. God, it's not fair. Surrender. Oh, look, Scripture says, die to myself. Great. Again. Surrender. I'm telling you, obedience is probably the key thing. Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, highly favored one, how would you like to have a son from the Holy Spirit? And she's like, I've never known a man. I don't know how that's possible, but sure. And I've missed this one little sentence for years. When she said, I will be obedient and I will carry the Messiah. Gabriel says, with God, all things are possible. Now we've heard that scripture a lot, but I want to share it in the context of obedience. If we would just be obedient to God, answer His call, follow His word, there's nothing that's impossible. And my life right now is a testament to that. I didn't think certain things were possible. But Pastor Alicia and I just determined whatever God says, we will be obedient. And now I know that through obedience, all things are possible. And it was a small thing, but it was enough of a gear shift that makes stepping out into the next thing in obedience. I know God can do whatever God can do. He's going to do it with Him all things are possible. So it makes it easier knowing that with Him all things are possible in my obedience to step out. It's kind of a tangent, but as I was speaking tonight, if you found yourself in these three different areas and it's been creating some conflict and strife and turmoil in your life, I want to provide the opportunity for you to deal with it so that you can step into all the things that God has called you to, so that you can live a life and bring heaven to earth. So you can see God move again and again and again in your life. So if you felt like unbelief has come in, the doubt has come in, I'm gonna have everybody stand right now.
I'll have the worship team come up. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'll have you guys repeat off to me. We're going to go after some things. But if you feel like something hasn't lifted or something hasn't left or something hasn't healed or shifted, I want you to come down. We'll have the team down here and we're going to pray with you. Father, we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit to come, to heal, to uproot, to deal, to confront the pain of the past with disappointment, discouragement. And right now we come against the spirit of unbelief that has caused us to shrink back, create apathy, create bitterness. We call it out right now and we speak to it and we command it to go in Jesus' name. So maybe you pray after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority now over my mind, over my life. I speak to unbelief, to doubt, to bitterness. And I command you to leave me now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. Fill me with power, with light and life. I thank you for setting me free now from these mindsets, from these emotions that would set to derail me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for freedom now. I thank you for your Holy Spirit to come now. If you pray in tongues, just start praying. Let's build an atmosphere of faith and of expectancy, of breakthrough, of healing. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here now ministering to hearts and minds, that you are speaking to the places in our heart, the deep places, the broken places. against any anxiety that these areas may have created. We command depression to go. We command melancholy to go. We command the desire to isolate ourselves to go. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for fresh oil from heaven to fill this place. against disappointment and discouragement. We cancel every lie from the enemy telling us that God will not do it for us because we're not worthy. We come against every lie that we are not worthy to receive the blessings of God, that we are not worthy to receive His love, His affections. We break agreements with those lies now in Jesus' name. We break the lie that it's good enough for God to do something in everybody else's life but mine. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. I break all agreements with it now. Father, heal minds right now.
Father, thank you for restoring a time that people felt was lost in the waiting. A time that they felt was lost in the, the valley or the plateau. We declare right now that that time be restored in Jesus' name. As your word says that you will quicken our bodies. I come against regret. I see that some people had some chances that they didn't take. They were presented to you. You didn't take them either out of fear or misguided or were given incorrect wisdom. And there's a regret around not taking the chance, not stepping out. And I just want you to surrender that regret to God right now. There's even, there's grief attached to that regret of what could have been. And if you would just open up your heart right now to the Holy Spirit and surrender the grief, surrender the regret, and let Him come in and heal. He wants to heal your heart right now and heal your future because there's been such regret that it's been hard to move forward. And I just declare that there'll be freedom to move forward without the regret, without the grief. So we command that spirit of grief to go. Its time is up. We command that regret to go. Regret causes us to be hard on ourselves, to beat ourselves up, to criticize ourselves. It can bring on self-loathing. We break that right now in Jesus' name. We break every wicked, unclean, and evil spirit that came in on regret. Father, I thank you that you are able to redeem and restore that opportunity, that chance. word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.